This is, of course, the last Sunday of Lent before Easter, which is the goal of Lent, is to prepare for that season of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so uh, we are coming in our studies up to the climax of those studies. And Good Friday we will consider more on the death of Christ, but that's our topic this morning, the crucifixion of Christ. Let's have a little prayer before I start. Dear Heavenly Father, we trust in you and we believe in you. We ask for your help now that you will open our hearts so we might take in the story of what happened on that day so long ago and help us to feel it down inside that it might change who we are. Bless us as we study together, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Again, this is the last Sunday before Easter, Palm Sunday. In our studies, we have come to what is the main event in the history of the world. It is the beating heart of what we believe, it defines what it means to be a Christian. It is both shocking and sweet. It is terrible and tender. It is filled with bitter hatred and sacrificial love. It is the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth. I have no personal stories to tell at this time like I sometimes do because in my lifetime I've never experienced anything that comes anywhere near the suffering of Christ on his cross. There are people to whom the accounts of Jesus on that cross hold no interest or fascination The Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. And there is no other story that explains to us how God thinks in such a full and complete way than the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now the Bible gives instructions to pastors about this story. It says this, preach the word and be instant in and out of season. Or in other words, tell this story when it is convenient and when it is not convenient. In and out of season. My friends, these are inconvenient times. All the more reason to tell this story. Now, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians, Necessity is laid on me, yea, woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. My friends, that is how I feel about this. I feel compelled to tell this story, and I would be miserable if I failed to do it. It is that beautiful old Negro spiritual that we sing that asked the penetrating question, were you there 
when they crucified my Lord. With God's help this morning, I'll take you there. We've been studying John's gospel since January, leading up to this season of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And of the four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote the story of the crucifixion, as far as we know, only John was an actual eyewitness. John was the only disciple of Jesus who actually stood and watched Jesus as he hung on that cross and died. So we asked the question of John this morning, what did you see? And what did you feel? And what impressions were made on you as you watched Jesus die on that cross? So my friends, John is going to take us there. He's going to tell us what it felt like when he watched Jesus suffer and die on that cruel cross. Last week we watched as a fierce contest was waged between two political forces, the Jewish leaders of the temple who worked to maneuver Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, to condemn Jesus to be crucified. That political battle was filled with high emotion, anger, bitter hatred, and jealousy on the part of the Jews, and contempt on the part of Pilate, who despised all things Jewish. The Jewish leaders finally forced Pilate's hand by threatening a riot and also threatening to tell what Pilate did, tell his boss, Caesar. And if he didn't comply, especially with their wishes. When Pilate finally washed his hands, claiming to be innocent, and in the same breath gave the order, go ahead and crucify him, the Jewish leaders got their way, they outwitted Pilate, and Jesus was led away to be crucified. But that conflict between those two political forces was so heated that neither one of the Jewish leaders or Pilate could just lay it down and go home and forget about it. That bitter hatred and contempt was still on display outside the city on a hill called Golgotha where Jesus was to be crucified. And so... John will explain it to us. I'm in chapter 19 of John, and I'm looking at verse number 16, starting at verse 16 of chapter 19. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. They took Jesus and led him away, and he bearing his cross went forth to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and two other with him, either side one, and Jesus in the midst. Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And this title was then read many by many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. 
Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Now the Romans use crucifixion as a deterrent against crime. And so people who were crucified were to wear a sign around their neck as they carried their own cross beam out to the place where they would be crucified. And the sign would give their name and where they came from and their crime for which they had been condemned. The two men crucified Jesus with Jesus would have a sign would have their name on it. They were probably from Galilee. And the crime would be revolt against Rome and murder. For they were followers of Barabbas. Jesus' sign, written in three languages, Latin, the Roman language, Greek, the universal language, and Hebrew, the local language. So any person passing by could read it. The sign read, Jesus his name, of Nazareth, where he came from, and his crime, the king of the Jews. He would wear that sign around his neck as he carried his cross beam out to Golgotha. Then when they got there, the soldiers would nail the sign to the cross over his head. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Now when the Jewish readers readers read that sign, they went running back to Pilate. You can't say that. You can't say that. You can't have a sign that says that. It should read this. He claimed to be the king of the Jews, but Pilate refused to change the sign. And he said, I wrote exactly what I wanted to write. You see, the Jewish leaders had threatened to tell Caesar that Pilate didn't do his job, which was enough force to make Pilate give in. So Pilate would make one more stab at them. When you try to tell Caesar that I didn't cooperate with you, I will tell Caesar that there was a man who actually was a Jewish king. But don't worry, Caesar, he's no threat. I crucify the king of the Jews. And John says, there at that cross, you could read that sign, and you could feel the contempt of Pilate. As his handwritten sign was nailed to the cross of Jesus over his head. And you could feel Pilate's angry rage. When you heard those mocking words and you read them. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. The Jewish leaders, angry with Pilate and unable to force him to change the sign, went out to Golgotha's hill and tried to make sure that everyone would understand their point of view. And they did it by shouting insults at Jesus. Matthew gives us a list of the insults that were shouted on Jesus. I'm reading from Matthew 27, verse 39. 
And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. And then they said, He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if you'll have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. As they gathered around his cross, they said, You said you could build a temple in three days that we've been working on 47 years. So save yourself. Come off of that cross. Are you the king of Israel? Like the sign says, then come off of the cross. And then the priest said, ask your father to save you if you're the son of God. So they hurled their insults at Jesus until even the two thieves who were crucified with him joined in. They joined with him and they said, if you're the king, save yourself and us. Save us. So John tells us what it was like standing there. Pilate's sign and the Jewish leader's insults. So the whole atmosphere at that moment was all hatred and contempt poured out on Jesus. There was a constant attack on Jesus as he was hanging on the cross, which Jesus suffered silently, never responding. He just took it all in silence. Then John tells us of another shocking sight that he witnessed there at that place. Verse 23 of John 19. The soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat that was without seam, woven from the top throughout. And they said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my garments among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, did the soldiers. There's four soldiers called a quaternion. Here they had just driven nails through Jesus' hands and feet. They pulled up his cross with ropes and dropped it down into the hole in the ground. And after doing that horrible deed, they wiped the blood off their hands, reached into their pockets, and pulled out dice. And they said, hey, let's have a little game here. We'll gamble for his clothes. Come on, let's have a little fun. 
And John said, I was shocked by their calloused cruelty. They had just nailed Jesus to the cross and now they were gambling for his clothes. Indifferent to his pain and suffering. They acted like it was just another day's work. We just finished our job. It's break time. John said, you couldn't imagine they could do such a thing without feeling any remorse or regret. It was just another day. Just another victim. Just another crucifixion. And John says, there he was, my dearest friend, suffering and dying on that cross. And all they could do was mock him and insult him and ignore him, completely unmoved. He said the behavior on the cross was shockingly rude and vicious. It made you feel such a disgust that people were so untouched by Jesus' suffering. Listen, my friends. Whoever it was that first had the idea to nail people through the hands and to the feet to a cross of wood and hang them up to die, whoever first had that idea was no doubt listening to the whispering voice of Satan in his ear. For was there ever a more cruel and vicious and evil way to torture a man to death than crucifixion. The Bible describes Satan as being filled with violence. Was there ever a more violent way and a more cruel way for a man to die? The very idea of crucifixion comes from the pit of hell and the heart of darkness and the mind of Satan who is the prince of darkness. There was a Horrible way to die. So add it up. The sign over his head, the message of contempt, the insults and mocking of Jesus and full blown hatred, and the indifference of the Roman soldiers, and the cruel agonies of being nailed to a cross of wood. Have you ever felt such a hopeless, sad, and dark depression and such a mass of human degradation? How low can people go? Come and see. Jesus nailed to a cross as he suffers all the venom and hatred of his enemies. I don't know about you, it just makes me want to cry. This makes you want to cry, but wait. Wait a minute. There's something else. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus therefore saw his mother and his disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And John says, Oh, you, you should have been there. Should have been there. I was there, and there was a group of ladies that come. We were all crying. And one of the ladies was Mary, Jesus' own mother. And as she sobbed, brokenhearted, uncontrollably, Jesus spoke from his cross and said, Woman, look at John. Now he's your son. And he said, John, she's your mother. John said, my best friend gave me his mother to care for all the rest of her days. And John said, I did it too. I did it. I took her home, took care of her for the rest of her life. Oh, my friends, do you get it? Do you see what's important to Jesus from his suffering cross? He loves his mother. Was there ever a more tender sweetness than that? Was there ever more tender than the dying Savior who loved his mother? But more than that, This wonderful Jesus, as they were driving the nails through his hands and the most agonizing part through his feet, and Jesus felt that intense, excruciating pain. He prayed for the soldiers who were nailing him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Amidst all the venom and hatred, there is a shining star. There is a quiet voice. There is a heart that no matter what they do, a heart that can only love, praying for his crucifiers and caring for his mother. And in that horrible time and place, there's a contest, if you will, between the sin of man and all that they can do and all the violence and hatred that they can sum up and the love of God. My friends, it was a conquering love for both thieves who were crucified with him had joined in the insults. But after watching Jesus, one of them changed his mind. And he said to them, stop, stop saying that. No more insults. After all, we deserve what we got. But that man didn't do anything wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus pardoned him right then and there and said, today you and I will be in heaven together. I'm taking you with me. Hallelujah. My friends, his love even conquered the cruel indifference of Roman soldiers. Their leader, a centurion, as he watched Jesus die, said, truly, this was a righteous man, and surely he must have been the Son of God. So Jesus 
patient love overcame those who were eyewitnesses. The thief on the cross, the Roman centurion, his mother Mary and John all swept away by the loving heart of Jesus as down inside as he suffered and he died. He kept saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. All the while, he was dying for the sins of mankind. John tells us, verse 28, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up the ghost. He asked for a drink. And the soldiers who had mocked him. And been indifferent to his suffering. Now moved with compassion. Took some of their own wine. Poured it on a sponge. And stuck it on a hyssop branch. And lifted it up to his mouth. And shared with him. Their own drink. And then Jesus said, with his mouth finally clear and able to talk, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then John said, he said, it is finished. And the other gospel writers record that he cried with a loud voice. He was still full of life force. And so he cries a loud cry. And then his head falls forward and he died. The loud cry was so that you would know they didn't take his life from him. He gave it away. He dismissed his own spirit. For in the final end of it all, he was not a murder victim. He was a willing sacrifice. We sing the gorgeous, beautiful old song, O oh, love divine, what have thou done? The incarnate God has died for me. The Father's co-eternal Son bore all our sins on Calvary's tree. The Son of God for me has died. My Lord, my love, is crucified. So my friends, I have taken you there. You have felt the contempt and the hatred and the callous indifference. But you have also seen a love so strong and so full of fire that nothing can extinguish it. O love of God, O sin of man, in this dread act your strength is tried and victory remains with love. My love, my Lord, is crucified. Is it possible for you to refuse the love of God. 
to see him crucified and turn your face away unmoved by it? Maybe for you, not for me. I cannot be unmoved. My prayer is that you won't be able to resist the love of God. That you will love him and take him into your heart and into your life. On Good Friday of this week, we will think more of this topic and gather our thoughts together in a great summation when we shall do as we were instructed to remember the love of Christ and his death as we partake communion on Good Friday. Shall we pray, dear Heavenly Father, down inside of us, there is a stunning sense that we have witnessed this event through John's eyes. We have felt the darkness of it and the light of it. And the darkness of it has been driven away by the light of it. We thank you for your conquering love that overcame such things and brought to us pardon and life and help and hope. So in our hearts, we want to be sure that you know that we love you for what you did for us. We would tell you that in any way we could. As we stand here today and tell the story, it is with the hope that others might be moved by what you did that this great event would not go unnoticed, but that we would take it in, get it in our hearts, and be ready to stand up and say, we love you, and we want you for our own. Bless us, we ask, and be with those who need comfort and help in this hour. We trust you to provide for them where we cannot. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In closing, I'm going to ask you to turn your hymn books, if you will. Hymn number 187. Page 187. Stand together with us, if you would. My Jesus, I love thee. Page 187.
that journey back beside the cross on the terrible hill of Golgotha. May we see what you did for us. May we know the terrible things that happened to you. But more so, may we feel the love that came from your hand, from your side, from your feet, from your head from your heart. May we feel that love, the sorrow and the love flow mingled down. May we have it in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. May it change us. May we never walk away from that place without being someone different. May we know the great love of Christ. May it change us forevermore. May we walk out into the world with this best and most precious story tell others. May it go from this place because it is the best story. May it go from this place because all men should hear this story about our loving Christ, the Messiah of the world that knows about love and that died for us. Lord, help us not to be unheeding 
as we walk by the hill of Golgotha, the hill of Calvary. May we see and know the great love of God. Have it in our hearts and in mansions of glory may we be together someday, never to be separated again. We thank you for these times and this wonderful story that you have. In your name, amen.